Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, from the time Kelsey was up here talking, and she said there's a shift, I started seeing, I started seeing Forrest Gump. You know, he's running. He's running. You don't know why he's running. He's just running. And he steps in the poo. And the guy says, oh, man, you just stepped in. He said, well, it happens. You know, shift happens. Shift happens. And, and that's what I got out of your deal, Kelsey. But, you know, it does. I mean, the enemy loves to set us up to step in crap all the time. And, and as we do that, we can't let that become the focus. We can't let the poo become the focus. Because it happens. It happens. If we have our faith, our trust, if we find our holiness in His rest, if we'll find that, then the poo doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I feel there's a rumbling taking place. I feel there's an earthquake taking place. Not a literal, physical earthquake, but I believe under the body of Christ, as the capital C church, the body of Christ is feeling that rumbling beginning to happen. And it's a rumbling of, of revival. It's a, it's a rumbling of transformation. It's a rumbling of new life in us. And I don't know how many of you have ever been through a real earthquake. I never have. Uh, it's after I left Oklahoma that they started getting earthquakes. So. Um, but I know what it's like to feel the shaking. I know what it's like. And God is saying He's coming. He is coming in a, in a, in a quake. And the earth is going to be moving. And we need to be, we need to be set. Our feet need to be set because as the quake begins to happen, we begin to ride that. Because that's revival. That's where revival happens. It's going to scare those who don't understand it, but it's going to encourage those who do understand it. It's going to encourage those of us to bring those who don't understand into His understanding. Because there is a shift. There is a shift. It's called harvest. It's a shift. And we cannot be comfortable staying in our chairs, sitting in our butt ruts, waiting for the Holy Hoover to suck us out of this place. We need to be moving. We need to be moving. We need to be taking, get out of our butt ruts and get out there and take it to the world. Amen? That's where the rumbling happens. You are the rumbling. are the rumbling. Say it, I'm the rumbling. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time we have together. Father, I thank you that we are the rumbling. We are that. Father, we're not going to sit back and, and watch revival happen. We're going to go be a part. We're going we're to participate. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have made us participants. I thank you for this time that we live in. It is the perfect time. It is now. It is this, It is such a time that we live in. We were born for this moment. We were born for it. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you. I praise you that we find ourselves in your rest. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You received that this morning?
Well, once again, turn around and tell somebody hello. We'll get it, this thing all set up and ready to go. Amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? You know what? We got a good crowd for, for the weather we had overnight, and uh, I appreciate y'all coming and being a part of Cowboy Church. Uh, if I've never had the chance to meet you, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, man, we appreciate you guys so much for for coming out on a snowy day, cold day, and uh, it's today's going to be a good day. Amen? Amen. Um, before we get really into this too far, I wanted to give you all an update on my health. And uh, is, is that all right? Um, many of you, I, I sure do appreciate your prayers. Uh, we had, you know, in 2016, I had been diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's, early onset Parkinson's disease. And, and I know that the word says that he heals all my diseases. Amen. So I've never really taken, um, I've, I've really not possessed this disease, um, that is coming against me. You know, people say, you know, that I have contact with my cancer, my, um, you know, this, my, that, my Parkinson's. I have never said it's mine. I don't proclaim it. I don't take hold of it. And so, uh, with that, I appreciate you guys praying for me because I had everybody come together. I did an operation back in September where they put leads in my brain. It's called deep brain stimulation. And so they, they started, they turned it on in November, started, uh, started tuning on me. I had a tune, I had a tune up on Friday and I mean, it's, it's good stuff. So it is so good to be able to raise my hands in church. And not have to worry about all the moving and the shaking. I told y'all, I know what it's like to shake. <clears throat> I don't know why in the gym on Friday, our our coach was playing his music. And every song come on and said something about shaking. You know, Taylor Swift, shake it off, shake it off. It was playing. And I'm like, that is cruel to play to a bunch of Parkinson's people, you know. Then Casey and the Sunshine Band come on, you know, shake your booty, you know, and, and so, um, anyways, y'all been praying, I gotta get off that, y'all been praying for me, and, and they've turned this thing on, they've tuned it, and I'm feeling so good, and, uh, I told, I told Lynette, I said, I, I didn't realize how bad I felt until, until I started feeling good, so, it's good, thank you guys so much for your prayers, it's an honor to have this crew, this people praying for me and uh, gets me kind of choked up a little bit. So anyways, with that, uh, I wanted to say welcome to Cowboy Church this morning. Welcome to our online uh, folks that are joining us online. We hope that someday you can come here or maybe today you just felt like standing in your pajamas and drinking coffee and watching me online. So um, we appreciate you. We appreciate our Kingdom Ranch uh, uh, Cowboy Church out in Merced, California. Um, I, I get to see y'all in a couple of weeks, so thank you for joining us today. Um, with that, um, 
Man, how many, how many are on the fast? How many? Can I, can I just say this? You're on a downhill run right now. It ends tonight at sundown and, uh, hopefully that, uh, you haven't gotten too used to it. Um, I threatened Lynette the other day. I'm going to get Krispy Kremes. Uh, but, uh, but you thought it was last Sunday? That's okay. Oh, last night. Okay. That's cool. You just, you just cheated. No, I'm kidding. No, no, you, you, you got God's on your side. He's got you. So anyways, with that, man, I, I, uh, I hope that this fast has not been a somber suffering type of deal. I mean, I, I know we, we don't look at it as, as really exciting and oh, I can't wait. But the thing about it is, is I know that this has been a time of discovery. It's been a time of download. It's been a time of change. And I believe it's a time of transformation. Amen. Um, those of you that did it, those of you that just went through the book, you know, the devotional that we had, those of you that thought, uh, you know, uh, good for them that they fasted. God is bringing us through some, some change. He's bringing us through, uh, some discovery of things and he's bringing us through transformation. And that's been my thing, uh, through this. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today is I, I want to talk about living a life of transformation from the life of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, if you would go over to, to Joshua chapter one. And, um, when, when I talk to you about these things, I, I want you to understand that God is calling you into transformation. Um, that what I'm, what I'm titling this message today is next. I love that, uh, Seinfeld episode where the, uh, soup Nazi, have you seen that? The soup Nazi? And Elaine gets all her, his recipes and she steps up and she hits the counter and says, next! That's just what I heard whenever, whenever I was putting this together. Uh, it's just a little observance into my life. Uh, so, in Joshua chapter one, uh, in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua, this is a story, uh, Joshua is one of my favorite books in the Bible because it's a story about a man who is being called to lead the next generation into the promised land. And and Joshua was uh, Moses' assistant. When Moses called the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was 80 years old. He was an 80-year-old man when he brought... Egypt out into the wilderness, led them out of, or brought the Israelites out of Egypt into the wilderness to, uh, to, to be heading towards the promised land. Um, for 40 years they were out there. An 11 day journey took them 40 years to make. I don't want to do that in my life is, is be so caught up in myself, be so narcissistic in myself that it takes me 40 years to get to the next place that God wants for me. But Joshua was, was Moses' assistant, so Joshua was 40 years old when they come out of there. So now he's 80, and he's taking over Moses, uh, the, the children of Israel that Moses led out in, out of the desert, out into the desert. And so with that, um, Joshua was to lead the next generation. And for Joshua to be the next 
he had to find his next. That's where we're at today. We need to find our next. We need to, we need to be looking ahead and finding our next because God has given us, has given us our next. Amen. So, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there. I've heard it for years that we are the, we are a Joshua generation. We are uh, people that are, are moving into the next, what God has for us. But I, I'm going to tell you this. You cannot become a next generation leader until you discover your next into what God's called you to do. We got to discover our next. And, and our next is about transformation. So let's, let's look here at Joshua chapter one, verse one. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. That's, that's encouraging, isn't it? Your leader's dead. Moses is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I love what he says here because, because Joshua's in this place. I mean, he's been following Moses around for 40 years. As a matter of fact, Joshua and Caleb were the only two left of two or three million people. They're the only two left at this moment because they were the ones that believed God. They were the ones that didn't complain. And so God kept them alive and killed everybody else. He didn't kill them. He let them die in the wilderness. Amen. So he's got a whole new crop of people. And, and so I, I've heard this said over the years that there were two to three million people that came out of Egypt into the, into the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb were the only two that went into the promised land. That would leave the status as they were one in a million. Are you with me? If there were two million, they're one, they're one in a million. You are one in a million. Okay, so one, one person got that. You are one in a million. And so this, in this moment, I, I don't know what Joshua was thinking because he didn't get to go up on the mountain with Moses. He just got to get the download from the mountain with Moses. And as he is stepping into this place, as he is realizing this, as God begins to speak to him, God begins to speak to him and say, therefore, the time has come for you, Joshua. The time has come for you. Time is coming for you. Time is coming for you. I, I remember being in school, you know, the big, the big bully in school. You remember the big bully or was you the big bully? The big bully in school. I remember in my school, there's a kid named David Cox. And David was a, he just picked on everybody. He's just a big kid and just picked on everybody. And, you know, it's like the movie, The Christmas Story. I'm all into movies today. I don't know why. But the Christmas story where the little Ralphie gets beat up by the bully and he turns on the bully and beats the bully half to death. People would say, David's coming for you. After school, David's coming for you. You better watch out. David's coming for you. Can I just tell you that time is coming for you? Time is a bully. We don't get to stop it. It, it just keeps moving forward. Amen? 
And, and so time is coming for you. When God said, therefore, the time has come for you. You are in a moment. You are in this place because I want you to do something. I love what the New King James says. It says, now, therefore, now, therefore, time is coming. Now, therefore, time is coming for you, Joshua. How God uh, responded to Joshua in the following verses, you will we'll read that in a little bit. But let me let me just tell you, knowing what God said to him, knowing what God was setting him up for, it scared Joshua. He was scared because now he's in charge of millions of people getting them from the wilderness into the promised land. So during this fast that we've been doing, I believe that God has shown you some things. I believe that there's people that are sitting here that you're, you're, you're coming, you're on the, the back end of this fast. It ends tonight and you're ready to set what God has said to you what God has shown you, what God has revealed to you, you're ready to set those things in place so that you can move into your next. Because what God does in our life, what He calls us to is always bigger than we are. It's always bigger than we are. And when it's bigger than you are, it's like David Cox coming for you. It's time coming for you. It is. If it's not bigger than you are, if what you hear is not bigger than what you are, then you probably haven't heard the next. It's got it. It's, it's bigger than you are. And Joshua was scared. Because when, and it's okay to get scared in those moments when something's big, bigger than you. It's okay. Because that is where transformation becomes real in our lives. We have to be open to transformation in order to step into our next. We have to be ready to step into our next and, and allow God to begin to transform us into what He's showing us that we're going to be, what we're called to. And it's always bigger. It's always bigger than who we are. God said to Joshua in, 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 in verse 2, let's read it again. Verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. He said, Joshua, time has come for you to lead these people into their next And he's saying to Joshua, your next will be their next. If you don't have a next, if you haven't found the next, it is going to be you that when you find your next, you're going to take them into the next. Amen? Does that make sense? Are you all cold? I don't know if you're sitting on your hands or what. Transformation for you is about the future you. Transformation for you is about the future you. Because change is always moving forward. Anytime we're moving forward, we're moving forward with change, right? You can't be the same person today 
that you were yesterday. I, I read this deal on social media the other day that said the scariest place for us to be is in the same place that we were last year. That's scary. If you find yourself in the same place where you were last year, that should scare you. Because God is looking for us to be moving and transforming in Him. Amen? That's what being a Christian is all about. It's a constant journey. It's a constant journey. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, in the New King James, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't be shaped. Don't be fashioned to what this world wants you to be fashioned and shaped to. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed, and you may have heard me say this before, but in case you haven't, the word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho, is, which is where we get our word metamorphosis. And if you all remember in, in grade school science class, you probably talked about metamorphosis. The, the best example out there for metamorphosis is when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. The process in between, the process from the caterpillar to the butterfly is what metamorphosis is. The, the caterpillar will run this certain time frame and then he'll stop, he'll climb a tree and stop and begin to, uh, begin to put himself into a process where he begins to spin this web, this silk, um, piece around him. And as he begins to change, there's, there's a piece called the chrysalis. That chrysalis is his, basically it's his outer skin, the caterpillar's outer skin hardening and becoming a shell for him to complete this metamorphosis and turn into this beautiful butterfly. That's, that's what it's about. It's about meta- Transformation is about metamorphosis. It's, uh, it's in the revealing of the butterfly. It's, in, it's the revealing of us coming out of our shell, so to speak, that, uh, that our future... Our, our transformation reveals our future through our past. Does that make sense? See, it's in the revealing of our future that it uncovers our past. And, and we know our past better than anybody. Our past is full of epic moments, good and bad. It's, it's full of epic people, good and bad. There's these places when you when you think back on your past, you think about bad things, you think about good things. But all of that past falls into one category. All, all of your good and bad of your past falls into one category, and that is it's your past. It's your past. It, your past has made you what you are, but transformation makes you into what God wants you to be. Transformation requires us to not allow the past to be our present or our future. Our past, transformation requires our past to be our past and to put it behind. 
It's, it's just like that chrysalis. See, when, when that butterfly comes out of that chrysalis and flies away, the chrysalis is still there. It's still there. But he flies away. He never comes back to that. He never comes back. He never visits that again. See, Joshua's transformation required him to leave Moses behind. Moses was dead. Moses, Moses could not go where God wanted to take Joshua. Because Moses, if, and I'm sure Joshua's going, I'm so used to Moses being my leader, I just want to bring him with me. Joshua couldn't bring Moses with him. I believe that God took Moses up on the Mount Nebo and, and transitioned him into heaven and not left his body where they could go back and get it because they would have went back and got it. They would have went back and built an altar on the mountain. And, and for the rest of their lives, people would have to come across the Jordan River to go to Mount Nebo and, and visit and worship Moses. God hid his body. God hid his body because he didn't want the people coming back to visit that chrysalis. Butterfly never comes back. And so Joshua made that transformation and he left dead Moses behind. So that's, that's my first question I want to ask you today. What is it that we need to leave behind? What is it about ourselves that we need to leave behind? Because God ain't going to take us into our next. He ain't going to, he ain't going to shift us into our next until we walk away from it. What is it that we've been dragging around? See, too many of us have been dragging around our losses. And we need to cut our losses. We need to cut our losses. Amen? Amen. I watched a movie the other day. Here I go with the movies again. But I I was told, I was told to, to watch this movie. Miss Tracy told me. It was, it was a prophetic word. It wasn't that she came up to me and says, you need to watch this movie. It was a prophetic word. That, that So I, I went home and I watched, I turned it on. Lynette and I watched a movie called Master and Command. Master, it's uh, Russell Crowe was in this movie. And I love Russell Crowe because he's a gladiator. You know, I, I like, he, he reminds me of the gladiator. But he was, in this movie, Master and Command, it was during the Napoleonic Wars back in the early 1800s. And um, this movie was about a British warship that was chasing a French warship uh, war ship around the, the Horn of South America. And, and they're following and, and they're trying to get into kind of a dogfight with this French warship. And uh, there was a scene that I, that I saw. When we started the movie, I couldn't understand those people. They were, the, the British were talking and the French were talking. I couldn't understand. I had to turn on my closed caption so I could get, get the movie understood, you know. Um, but during the, the movie, there's this scene that they get into a storm. And as they're getting into the storm, they know that the French warship has turned on them and begin to chase them. And so they're trying to get away, but they're in a storm. And as the, the storm is beating against the boat, as the waves are be- beating against the boat, um, the, the mast, the mainsail mast breaks off the ship and falls into the water. Well, up on that mast, there's a crow's nest and there, there were men or a, there was a man in that crow's nest. And when that 
mast and, and sail fell into the water behind them, it began to drag them down. Not only were they dealing with a storm, but they were dealing now with a uh, with the ropes that were holding that sail mast uh, that was still tied to the ship. And they were dragging that sail. And they had to make a decision. Russell Crowe had to make the decision. The captain had to make the decision that something needed to happen. If not, he was going, if he, if he saved the guy in the crow's nest out in the ocean, it would cost the life of the boat. But for the sake of the boat, they had to cut the ropes that were slowing them down. And it was, it was a tough call to make. But he chose the, the boat and those that were on the boat for the one man's life and they cut the ropes and broke free. How many of us have been doing the same thing? How many of us have been dragging our losses? How many of us have been dragging the past with us and the enemy gets you every time because you're dragging the losses with you? What are we trying to drag into our future? Sometimes for us, it may be a person that we're trying to drag into our future. You know, that, that, that boyfriend. You don't need a boyfriend. You need a man friend. And God wants to replace your boyfriend with a man friend that would soon become your husband. A girlfriend. You don't need no girlfriend. You need a woman friend. One that loves Jesus. One that's gonna, that's gonna help you take off and overcome the enemy. For some people it's a, it's a person. For some people it's a habit. For some people it's doubt. For some people it's skepticism. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Ugh. Bitterness is terrible. Bitterness is terrible. When we're dragging around bitterness, we're dragging around where somebody hurt us a long time ago. Maybe they knew it or maybe they didn't know it, but they hurt us. And and we're dragging that bitterness with us. They may not even know that they hurt you. Maybe they don't even know. And you're still holding them to want to pay for that hurt. God says, cut the rope. Let it go. You can't afford bitterness in your life for the future. Where God has taken you, you can't afford bitterness. You can't afford unforgiveness. Amen? Amen. Because those things don't travel well. They only slow you down and only put you in the, in the crosshairs of the enemy. So God is saying to us what he said to Joshua. The time has come for you. The time has come for you. Let's go on. Joshua chapter 1. Let's go to verse 3. God's still talking to, to Joshua here and he says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be, uh, wherever you set foot, you will be on the land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains, in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. 
I love what God said to him. He said, I'm going to tell you what I told Moses. I'm going to be with you. And wherever you set your foot, wherever you set your foot is your land. How would you like to have that promise? Can I, can I just tell you that you already have it? You already have that promise. Wherever you set your foot is yours. It's yours. It's yours. So if the first question that I ask you, what, what do we leave behind, brings us to the second question. What is your next step? What is your next? Because your next is going to take, uh, is going to require you to take a step. It's going to require you to leave your past behind and start stepping into the future. See, a li- living a life of transformation, living a life of transformation is about what's next. What's next? Wherever you set your foot, wherever you set your foot. See, we don't get that sometimes. Sometimes, you know, um, church teaches us sometimes to say, God, I need you to help me. I need you to help me. So I'll be in my lazy boy waiting on you to help me. I'll be sitting down waiting for transformation to happen because you promised me transformation. So I need transformation. So I'll be right over here in my recliner. I'll be on my couch. I'll be in my bed. And when you decide to change me, change me. It don't work that way. Joshua didn't set back and wait for transformation. He didn't set back to be a leader. He had to take a step forward. Forget the past and move forward. Setting your foot means that you have to sit, you have to step out. You cannot sit around praying, God transform my life. Cause here's the deal. That if we're waiting for Jesus, the magician, to change our life, then we're not pursuing Jesus the Messiah. Amen. See, it's only Jesus the Messiah. See, we, we sit around and, and we think, well, I need to, I need to go through uh, this transformation, God, and I know I need to change things about my life, but I'm going to sit here and wait for you to sprinkle the fairy dust in my life. Jesus is not a magician. He's the Messiah. He's Savior. And we can't sit around waiting. See, see, our life, here's a, here's a revelation. You ready for this? Our life is connected to us. Whether you like it or not, your life is connected to who you are. It's connected to you. And if God fixed everything about us and kept us in the same moment, kept us in the same place, we would ruin it in minutes because we are who we are. We've got to prepare ourselves for transformation. We've got to prepare. And the only way we can prepare is to step into our next, begin to step into what's next for you. Amen? God cannot transform our lives without transforming us. And we've got to give him that permission. we got to, we got to, the Bible says faith without works is dead. You have got to be stepping for faith to work. You know, some people say, well, I got faith and they sit back and wait. And James said, you cannot sit back and wait. Faith requires action. Faith requires stepping ahead, stepping forward, stepping into your future. It requires stepping. Stepping. And God told Joshua, wherever you set your foot, 
Wherever you set foot is yours. I'm going to give it to you. I'm there with you and I'm going to give it to you. God cannot transform our lives without transforming us. And Joshua, God said to Joshua, I need you to lead these people across the Jordan River. So Joshua's standing there in that moment and he's looking across the Jordan River, which Jordan River's not that big. I mean, it's not as big as the Mississippi. It ain't that big. It's just a muddy river that runs down, uh, you know, uh, several feet wide. And Joshua's standing there. God is saying, we've got to go into the land. But Joshua's standing there and he's going, there is no bridge. There is no um, motorboat. There's no ferry to take us across. We've got a million, couple of million people here. There's nothing that can take... There is no scuba gear for me to swim this thing. Because God said, take a step. So he's standing at the river's edge and he's waiting to see what God's going to do. He's already seen Moses split the Red Sea. You know, when, when God split the Red Sea for Moses, he's already... He's seen that. He went through that. And that's not anywhere... The, the the Jordan River is not anywhere near the Red Sea's size. He knows that God can do it. He knows God can split that. But all he's hearing is God say, I'll take care of you. You just step. You just step. You lead these people. Your next has to be their next. The only way they're going to get a next is when you accomplish your next. And our next... For us, our next is always bigger than we are. And that's scary. It's scary. If it isn't bigger than us, it's probably not our next. So our next doesn't come without challenge. It doesn't come without challenge. You're going to be challenged. Look here at Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. God's still talking. He says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you just, uh, I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. God is saying, no one will be able to stand against you. Sometimes we read scripture and we kind of read our own thing. And, and what we sometimes read in this moment is that we're thinking that God said there'll never be challenges. God's, you know, God said he's going to take care of the challenges. There's never going to be a challenge. We don't have to worry about the challenge. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say no one will challenge you. He said no one will be able to challenge you. In other words, you're going to get challenged, but I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Challenge you anytime. Listen, anytime you do something new, there's somebody that's going to criticize you. There's somebody that's going to come against you. There's somebody, you know, the minute you become a Christian, people come against you. I remember when I became a Christian and I still tried to hang out with my old drinking buddies, but I didn't drink. They didn't want to hang around me anymore. Because when I would drink, I would start paying the bar tab. And they said, well, if he ain't paying the bar tab anymore, I don't want to be friends with him. Go into debt trying to pay somebody else's bar tab because I'm too stupid in that state of mind. But God, that's that's all there is. But God. 
But God, He changed me. But there will always be challengers, no matter what you do. And and God said, you'll always have challenges, but they will not be able to stand against you. God says, I got you. I got you. I got your back. I got your six. I got your 12. I got your three and I got your nine. I got all places in between. I got you. Amen. Let's go on, verse 6. I love this part. Because because at this point, Joshua's scared. In verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Don't deviate. Do not deviate from from uh, from them turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate in it day and night so that you will be, uh, so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. God knows that this bigger call on um, Joshua's life is going to come with some fear. He's going to be scared because it's this, this thing is bigger, much bigger than who he is. But that being much bigger than who he is, God understands that. And he says, I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to get you into that place where you lead these millions of people to where I've given them. For us, even though it's scary, don't be afraid of your next. Because God said, I've already been there for you. I've already been there. It's not nothing surprising. It should be nothing surprising. Because he said, look, if, you, if you'll do this, you will be successful in everything you do. You will be successful. See, next is a place of prosperity and success. <clears throat> in this day of social media, everybody is trying to tell you how to be prosperous and successful. That's, that's the influencer way. I mean, they, they have influencers on social media have in their heart something that you need and they want you, they want to influence you into what you need. But here's the deal. They, they want us to be successful, but God says, if you'll do what I'm asking you to do, this is where you find success. So many people chasing success, chasing success. I want to be successful. I'm chasing success. Don't chase success. God's already got you, and he is the successful one. He is the one that will make you successful. But we got to pursue him, not success. Pursue our next, and that's what will make you successful. Amen? Go on over to Joshua chapter 3. 
Because in Joshua chapter 1 and 2, God is describing to him what he's going to need to do. But chapter 3 is where things come together. Chapter 3 is where Joshua is standing on the river's edge and he's looking across at the promised land and he looks behind him and sees two million, three million people. And this is what I believe happened. Joshua standing there uh, ready to go and he says, all right, everybody, don't line up behind me, line up beside me. Two to three million people caught elbow to elbow, caught arms, and they're ready to make a step. Listen to this, Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. It says, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet, as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away from a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan. And the water below that point flowed into the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Listen, this is, I did some study on this town of Adam that was north of where they were located, north of where they were crossing over <clears throat> into Jericho. And as they, the, the distance from where they were at crossing to the town that the water backed up to was 50 miles. 50 miles. The, the thing didn't just part for each one of them to cross individually. The thing backed up and crossed, uh, backed up the river on dry ground so that they all, arm in arm, 50 miles long, could cross at the same time. When the priest stepped into that, oh, that, that river, when the priest stepped in there, it backed up. And what I saw when, when I was studying this is that God just raised the river. He just raised it, dried out the ground, and they all, arm in arm, stepped across and went, went into the promised land. That would be a sight to see from the people of Jericho. I don't know if you go back and read the, the, the war at Jericho. Those people knew. Those people saw. They said, we've known you've been coming for a long time. Yeah. But when God... We heard about the Red Sea split, but this was more awesome because 50 miles and y'all were able to come together. We scared. We are scared. We're locking the gates. We don't want you to come here. That didn't matter because the people that were going to stand against them, God took care of the walls. He just pushed them into the earth so that they'd come in and take over Jericho. What I think is so cool about this story is that Joshua's next step was his first step into the water. Followed by another step. Followed by another step. He was the leader of the steps that brought the people with him. 
Now listen, we don't know the names of any other people except Caleb. And he wasn't even mentioned here. How many people have experienced something great because of one person on your team? I think about, I think about the lineup on LeBron James's championship team. They only made it to the championship because of LeBron. He was awesome. But we don't know the names of the other guys. I mean, some people might know some names, but there were guys that sat on the bench that received a world championship, didn't play a minute of the, of the finals, but they got a championship because LeBron was their leader. Right? Are you all here today? I'm, I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting. Joshua was the one mentioned, but the two or three million people come across. They won the championship with him. They stepped into their next with him. And when they stepped into their next with him, the people in the, in Jericho went, Oh no. God is with them. We can try to stand against them, but he's going to push our walls down. Joshua's next step became their first step. Just the same as Moses' next step into the Red Sea became his next step. In, I think this is so cool because um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about Moses entering into the Red Sea. That was a baptism. 1 Corinthians 10 says that Moses going through the Red Sea and taking all the people through the Red Sea was a baptism. Well, if that was a baptism, then Joshua going across the river was a baptism. Joshua, out of all those people except Caleb, those were the only two that went through multiple baptisms. Somebody says, well, can I be baptized more than once? Heck yeah. Yeah, Joshua was. Joshua was. Amen? Jesus next came at the Jordan River when he was baptized. He he wasn't even in ministry until he got in the Jordan River and was baptized by his cousin John. That was his next. And his next launched him into a three and a half year miracle working ministry. All because he was willing to get in the water and go through the water. Amen? Man, that's good stuff. So today, after service, we're going to do some baptisms back here in the back. And, and my deal is that if, if you're ready for your next, that's a good place to start. Because when your feet touch the water, I don't know, God could split that right there if he wanted to. But when your feet touch the water and you get in that tank, it launches you into your next. Just the same as it launched Jesus into his, launched Moses into his, launched Joshua into his. Launched Elijah into his. Launched Elisha into his. Man. What's, what is our next? What is our next? Don't be afraid. But let God begin to minister to you your next. Because this is the promise. The promise is God is speaking into our next. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. You can't bring him with you. 
You can't bring your past with you. Put it in the water and leave it there. If you have never been baptized, today is your day. You say, well, I, I didn't sign up. That don't matter. You can still get in there. I'll let you in. I'll, let you, I'll push you in if you ain't careful. You know, some people, when they go into the water, they I have to hold them there for a little bit just, just, to, just to let all the sin come out, let all their past come out. So if I hold you, you'll know. No, but we're doing baptisms. And if you want to get baptized, if you want to leave your past behind, it's it's time. It's time to leave your past behind. Amen? Amen. God is speaking into our necks. And Moses is dead. You can't bring him with you. Cut your losses. If you've got losses, cut them. If you've got habits, let them die. Drown them. Drown your habits. Unforgiveness, be forgiven and be forgivable. That's a dangerous thing, take, bringing your unforgiveness with you. Because what you're trying to do, in unforgiveness, what you're trying to do is kill somebody when you're drinking the poison. You drinking the poison and waiting for somebody else to die. You got you to gotta, you gotta let that go. You got to let that go. Forgive, forgive, forgive. For bitterness, there's freedom. It's time for us to live in a place of transformation. It's time for us to live in transformation. Transformation, it's time for you to spend that little chrysalis. It's time for you to, to let God begin to form you into what He has for you. The beautiful that comes out when God puts His hands on us. Some people have spent this time of fasting praying that we would step over into miracles. And I believe miracles are here. I believe miracles are happening. I believe that we are the people to see the miracles happen. 2023 is going to be the year that we see those miracles happen. From the smallest to the greatest. And it's it's not because of us. It's not because of who we are. It's because of our pursuit of who He is and allowing Him to form and fashion us in the metamorphosis and coming out transformed. And when we're transformed and we're transformed into this beautiful butterfly that He has for us, it is miracles that begin to happen. It's our next. It's our next. And God wants to make a way where there is no way. In Isaiah 43:19 we have said this several times since the 1st of December. The Isaiah 43:19 says behold I do a new thing. I do a new thing. But here's what I do. I am going to make roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert places. Roads. That's the road to the miracle. It's the road to the heaven on the inside of you. It's the road to what Jesus has done for you by you becoming a Christian. It is what God has done, and he wants to continue to transform you. There was a time in my salvation that I thought, I have reached the pinnacle. 
How dumb is that? Oh, I've reached the pinnacle. Now what do I do? Next. (laughs) Next. We've all got a next. Every day we've got a next. Every minute. I was sitting there at the counter this morning, kind of going over my notes, the kitchen counter, and I was thinking, time, time is a thief. We live in the midst of time, but time is a thief. And the very second you're living in right now, not getting away from your past, not putting your past behind you, every second is wasted. Every second is wasted living in the past. But every second is blooming into beauty. It's when we're walking in transform, when we're allowing God to transform us. What is our next? Father, help us. Father, help us. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would be very clear on our next. Be very open to show us. Even though even though it'll scare us, God, it, it, it can scare us. But God, I know that you promised that you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. For us, you, you desire for us to be strong and have good courage. Be very strong and very courageous, you said, to Joshua. So, Father, if you had to say it to him, I know that you have to say it to us. So, Father, we receive. We receive your, your strength. We receive your courage and encouragement. God, I thank you that you open up to us. Help us clearly see our vision, your vision for us to be transformed. Father, I praise you. I thank you so much. God, I pray for every person that has never asked you to be the Lord of their life. They've never never said, Jesus, I want to trade you my life for yours. Because that's what Jesus came for. Jesus came to trade his life for us and for ours. So, Father, I pray that if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice, if there's anybody listening online, anybody listening on podcast or, or wherever they're listening, Father, I pray that right now they would be, they would be uh, intersected with who you are, with your son, Jesus. Hold that thought for just a minute. Have you ever, have you ever thought about the cross of Jesus Christ being a place of intersection. The the, the, the the vertical beam without the horizontal beam, there's no intersection. But Jesus hung at the intersection. He hung at the intersection in order to get us. Because every one of us have to intersect our lives with his. The Bible says that everyone, everyone will be If he be lifted up, he would draw all men and women unto him. You're at the crossroad. You're at the intersection right now of his cross. His cross, the Bible says, has the power to save us. Him and what he did in that intersection changes and saves us. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, or you have never said yes to him saying, would you come and follow me? If you've never said that, say it today. 
You may not know what it looks like. I don't know what it all looks like. But all I know is that he is saying, I'll never leave you or forsake you if you'll just say yes. And I will lead you and guide you into everything that your life has in store. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, as you fluttered over the, over the dark waters of this earth before it was created, I pray that it would flood, that, that he would flutter over the, the waters of who we are to change our hearts when we say yes to you. Father, we say yes, I will follow you. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, I praise you and I thank you for all that you do and all that you continue to do with us. Transform us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You receive that today? Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you before I let Red up here. Right over here, we've got communion set up. we got it set up every week. If you've never seen it over there or you wonder what that is, it's communion. You're coming up on the end of the fast. I would say before you do anything else to break the fast, take communion with you here or at home with your family. When you're ready to break the fast, take communion and seal what God has talked to you about during this fast. Amen? I encourage you to do that. And then get ready for transformation. Amen? Right, come on up.